1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Bang! It's good! James Hart. Break out Broadway! it be with a two-hand
2: slam! This is the Rich Eisen Show. They look pretty damn dangerous. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Baseball. Three words. Three words. Very simple words. Figure it out. The Rich Eisen Show. He instituted a lockout. Figure it out. Today's guests, Denver Nuggets head coach Michael Malone, senior writer for the MMQB, Albert Breer, plus actor and director Ben Stiller. And now,
0: it's yes, Rich
2: Yes, it is. Eisen. That's correct. I am Rich Eisen here on the set of the Rich Eisen Show. Eight four four two zero four. rich is the number to dial. To chat with us today on NBC Sports on Peacock, NBC Sports Audio, Sirius XM 85, we say hello to that audience as well as our terrestrial radio audience, those listening to us on the Odyssey app, our podcast listeners, a special hello to you because you are very special. Uh, also, to everybody uh, out there in the universe that might be taking us in some way or another, youtubecom slash and show. We say hello to you, Chris Brockman. Good, uh, hey. good Tuesday to you, sir. Hey, Rich. Good day. Sir. Good to see you, day, uh, Mike Del Tufo's off doing something for that other place. <laughs> good to see you, Jay Felly in, up, in uh, Rich? MDT's chair and uh, lighting the candle. Uh, TJ Jefferson, how are you, sir? Good I to mean, see you. over Like there. we
1: always do at this time, how are you doing, Rich?
2: I am doing very well. I am doing very, very well. Getting ready to head to the combine. Indianapolis, uh, um, Indiana based NFL scouting combine. Coaches are talking. General managers are talking today. Both Steve Kahn, the GM of the Cardinals, and Cliff Kingsbury, coach of the Cardinals, talking today. In about 15 minutes' time, Mike McCarthy, who uh, was last heard. Uh, Nationally, on this very program. How about that? He will be at podium three for those scoring at home. He will be there today uh, in uh, 15 minutes time. Same with Nathaniel. Don't say I got hired by the Broncos because I'm tight with Aaron Rodgers. Hackett, he will be talking in 15 minutes time. He's his own grown ass man. He will be talking uh, 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 today and we're going to be covering his conditions warrant throughout the day. NFL news popping all over the place. And uh, as always, we'll be on it. Albert Breer will join us in the middle of this program. Uh, we're three wide in terms of guests today. Our number three diehard Nick fan, but also director and EP of this fascinating new show on Apple TV um, is uh, is Ben Stiller, the director and EP of Severance. He will be joining us in our number three of this program, joining us in about um, eighteen minutes time is the head coach of the hottest team in the NBA, uh, longest current win streak in the NBA, six games in a row for the team that's now tied at the Mavericks, fifth in the West. Michael Malone will be joining us uh, shortly on this program. Okay. And uh should he be the latest guy that we ask about where the yep. suits are? Yep. What's going on with that? Anytime we have an NBA head coach like do you like Dressing like you're going to the gym? Well, he looks you know, like he's very pro... Uh, gym clothes. Jump, jumpsuit, gym clothes.
0: Yeah? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. You never know that. He seems like a cash
0: Again, guy. his
2: dad yeah, used to coach His dad was at the side forever with Chuck Daly, who, yeah. Yeah. as we know, dressed to <laughs> the nines. Oh, man. Okay? Chuck, was, Chuck, Daly, Chuck Daly uh, dressed like uh, he was... Um, in Goodfellas. Yeah, That's John, what he dressed like. Okay, him. He dressed like a pit boss, that guy. And he ran his team yeah. like a pit uh-huh. boss, too. Did he not? So, you I don't, don't know.
0: You don't count cards on John Taylor. Hair was always immaculate. Sue oh, was my always, God.
1: I mean, he was like the Ric Flair
2: of I uh, NBA coaches. I, you know, I know that there's lots to talk about with him, with Michael Porter Jr. potentially getting ready to come back, and Jamal Murray maybe back just in time for them to join one of the most talented players in the in the league today the the reigning MVP of the NBA and Nikola Jokic Joker he, you know the Joker and um so but I I can't wait to go down memory lane with him and I, I do want to start this show with um somebody who is so damn exciting it's just certainly in this day and age when you see young stars blossom and not just blossom but get you off the couch get you off the couch when you see a highlight get you calling your kids over to the phone and saying you got to see this that just showed up in the palm of my hand because everything he does is electric and um, that guy is John Moran of the Memphis Grizzlies and that's how I want to start this program because I love this kid he plays with a reckless abandon, but a joy. It's infectious watching him play basketball. And you see him and his actions are plugged in like the Matrix to the fans who are in the stands watching him. That's so rare, too, in our business of sports. Curry is like that yeah. in the NBA, for instance. Just as, for example, there's, there's multiple ones. Marshawn Lynch was like that with the 12s in Seattle. J.J. Watt for all those years in Houston. They made a big play and it was electric. The whole stadium lit. And it was tough to stop the momentum. And you see this from John Morant right now. Last night against the San Antonio Spurs, he was downright remarkable. 52 points. Breaking a career high number of points that he had set in his previous game. He's gone now 46 and 52. That's almost a century of points in his last two games. And his 52 points last night, the stat sheet jumps out at you, 22 of 30 shooting (laughs) for 52 points, uh, 4 of 4 from 3 in just 34 minutes. But that doesn't tell the story. You've got to Google what the kid did. He posterized Jakob Potl. A pothole posterizing. He went and climbed a seven-footer, taking off from well outside the semicircle. Well outside. He took off and just threw it down over a seven-footer with two minutes to go in the first half of the game. And he closed out the first half of the game. Re- By the way, remarkable pl- pass from uh, Stephen Adams. The length of the floor, like... Um, he, he made, you know, Duke versus Kentucky, oh. this throw, look like uh, a, a little bounce pass. Great but was it, was the, it, like, was, wow. it was the entire length of the court baseball pass that Morant caught on the baseline, in the air, and without landing, put it up and hit nothing but net. And the whole place went nuts. And I don't even know why the Spurs came out for the second half. Like, it was really <laughs> one of those moments. <laughs> And this kid is absolutely dynamite and taken off, and everybody is beginning to take notice. And if you haven't, you best. And if you haven't, then you clearly don't follow Allen Iverson on Twitter. Because after last night's performance, for some reason, Iverson grabbed a Morant jersey that for some reason he had. He's a fan. At his disposal, and put it over his NBA MVP trophy and said sooner or later and added the kid so people of all generations are taking notice and the Grizzlies now have right now in the NBA standings right now have the same number of losses as the Warriors by the way How about that? You take a look at the standings and the Western Conference standings, and they're in third place, and they've got the Warriors in their sights right now. And then, you know, they're still a large amount away from the Suns. But the Grizzlies are putting together one of their best seasons. And yeah, I don't talk about the Memphis Grizzlies very often. But this kid is unbelievable. Pardon me. They have the same number of wins Wins, as the Warriors. They're just two losses behind the Warriors. Same number of wins. My bad. But they're close. Two and a half games in front of the Jazz. And look out. And that's something I'm going to bring up to Michael Malone because that kid and that team may be the first team the Nuggets see in the playoffs. Lots can change between now and then. Certainly the nuggets are on fire. But I really love this kid and what he's doing for that franchise. You take a look at uh at their all time greats, the Memphis Grizzlies. You go to their basketball reference page and you could see uh at the top of the page, based on uh what the the war the wins uh windshare. Windshare. Yeah, windshare. Okay. Later on today, I'll be concerned going to Indianapolis on Winsheer Haina. Hey, hey, hey. But shear. and you take a look at the top Grizzlies of all time, and you see two Gasols, Mike Conley, Shane Battier, Mike oh. Miller, and um, one of my favorite names back in the day, Sharif Abdur-Rahim. Rahim.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> Love to.
2: Those are your Grizzlies, you know. Zach Randolph up there, and I know he's beloved, and rightfully so.
0: No big country Reeves on there?
2: Didn't see him. <laughs> but here comes John Morant, and kids of all shapes and sizes will dig him. And I know they were chanting MVP. I still think it's your guy Embiid this year, mm-hmm. and it's going to be yeah. very difficult, certainly with Harden there. And if the Sixers do wind up as a one seed or a two seed or whatever, it stays healthy. I yeah. know. I just I, I think it'll be very difficult to unseat Embiid, but this kid's doing it. And I love watching him play. Oh, my God, do I love watching him play. I love, else, love, love watching him play. I was watching his highlights again on my phone in the kitchen last night just because I'm like, I got to see this again. And, um, you know, Coop comes out and says, like, what's going on? And I'm like, just watch this. <laughs> and his face lit up. I wish I had my uh, another phone to, to take a him. picture. Yeah, 11 years old. Like, that's the good stuff, man. That's what every league wants. And that's what, you know, baseball's going to be missing unless they figure it out over the next five hours. You know, so... Rich, you know it's what? It's great. I love it. I love the kid.
1: Incredible. What I found kind of weird in Chris about... and Jason about Jaws game was the 50 points was the third biggest thing of the night, if you ask <laughs> me. Like, I've seen people score 50 points before, right? Yes, I, I once watched the guy score 81 points while I was sitting in a Benihana in the Valley. I've seen that. I was a fan of Lob City, so I've seen people get dunked on all the time. I've never... And I've watched a lot of basketball. Seen a play that's... Steven Adams throwing that pass to Jaw with the precision of hitting him in the corner and Jaw catching that ball and releasing with four-tenths of a second left. I've never, ever seen that play before in my life. And I've watched a lot of basketball. That was incredible.
2: I agree. It was about... And that's why I said, you know what? I'm going to start the show with the kid today. I, I just love watching him play. And I love watching a team on the ascent You know, and then they have fun after the game. (laughs) And And Rich, the funny thing about this is going to be tough to stop, guys.
1: This picture is, you know, it's Jaws' moment. Everyone's taking a picture of him. And if you watch the live video, Jaws waving guys over like, no, no, get in the picture. He wanted his teammates in it with him. And that, I thought that was Fun. pretty, pretty and, dope.
2: His
0: daughter and, uh, was in the house too. He was uh, doing the post-game interview with the ballet sports with his daughter in his it. arms. Like it's just, he's the best. It, love it? you not roof for this and,
2: and you know, I, I, I try to not go negative, but I have to, cause you have to take a look at the current snapshot of things. And, you know, you also see videos of Morant from back in the day, you know, getting better, constantly practicing and things of that nature. And, and you've got to contrast his current state of affairs and his current team with the guy who was chosen above him in the NBA draft. And where is Zion Williamson right now? Where is he?
0: Yeah,
2: Unable to play. Or the rumors might have it. Unwilling. Unwilling, unwilling to work. Your way back in, unhappy with where you are, a lot of uns, unable, unhappy, potentially unwilling. Unhealthy? Yeah. That's cool <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, who knows? Who knows? He's going to go this entire year, it seems, without appearing on a basketball court as yeah. Morant takes... His shocking, don't forget, shocking, surprising, eyebrow-raising, interesting State Farm play-in tournament uh, victory from last year <laughs> and taking it another step further. While Zion is in New Orleans as a big shrug emoji. Where are you? When you are you doing? coming back? What are you like? What are you thinking? Where are you going to go? Do you want to be here? What is your future? What's the deal? One thing after another with Zion. And you see Morant. And I know I know this is going to be hot, if you will, what I'm okay. about to say. I'm coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> how many times do you see somebody who had a big college career chosen first overall winds up as a footnote to an all-time great chosen after
1: him? How many times have we seen it? I mean, there's one specific one I'm thinking of right now. Go ahead and say it. I mean, go ahead and say it. Greg Oden drafted number one. That's one of them. Kevin Durant going number two. Who was drafted in front of Michael Jeffrey Jordan? Well, Akeem. Akeem was, so
2: that's outside of of him. Sam Bowie, that's the one.
0: Yeah. But Sam Bowie was two. Jordan was three. That's correct. I'm not
2: saying it's one and two all the time. Yeah. Just another one. Just throwing it all out there. That's it's, like, it's, it, there's, it, it's, We're so far away from that being a crystallized narrative or an inappropriate one.
0: Science still but 21. I'm gonna I know. Him, I'm going to give him time.
2: That's yeah. why I prefaced it by saying hot. This is going to be hot. Yeah,
0: but it's, but it's right now,
2: snapshot in time. Oh, my gosh. Three it's seasons in. Yeah, it's not even close. Three seasons in. One guy's electric. Can't stop talking about him. Can't wait to see him again. Can't wait to see what's happening in the future. Whole entire city's in love with him he could already be elected mayor there doesn't pay for a meal and the other guy is we don't know where he is we don't know where he's coming back is he having too many meals what's going on
0: (laughs) why i'm serious come on jay don't fashion
3: (laughs) i was gonna say at the buffet probably i'm
2: just uh, i'm just shooting everybody straight the way things are snapshot in time so many years to come and maybe our third hour guest,
1: Ben Stiller, can't wait to get Zion yeah. on in Madison Square Garden. Oh, you know, that's factual. Yeah. So Rich and, Hey. Another thing with Zion, and by the way, I'm a believer in Zion, but you look at the Zion and Jaw comparison, you have the one guy in Zion who was probably the most famous high school athlete because of, of YouTube since LeBron. Yes. You have Jaw who got one scholar D one scholarship offer. Murray State. That was it. So you had the guy who had everything, and the guy who had to like claw to get that one. And like a guy who went to Davidson, maybe. Oh yeah, very similar. to See a what guy? I'm saying? Yeah. yeah.
0: Narratives, narratives. A little different. Famous NBA father.
1: Uh, okay. yeah, I mean, no, okay. true, no, but understood. you know, but because of the famous NBA father, you would have thought that he would have gotten. Guy
2: more went to Davidson,
1: boxes. then became all time great electric. People <laughs> love him. Can't get enough
2: of him. I mean, the does that man. sound like? Does this sound like the kid yeah, that we're talking about? Sounds it's like we're okay. on a similar Just, path.
0: I don't know. Brockman, went, doesn't, to Brockman not, not wants fine. me to go hot sometimes, and when I go hot,
2: he's just like, well, hold on a minute. Wait a minute, Rich. I mean, you know, I don't know, you're really stepping out there. But every single time, step out there. Come on, step out there, Rich. I'm stepping out. I don't know. Did that. you just break into a Bornstein impression? No, I didn't.
0: One? I just <laughs> think Ja to Steph is a little stretch. That's all. Well, it just in, I are, see what you're saying. Are we heading there?
2: Are we heading there? Like, are we seeing? are we seeing something? Are we heading there? What do you think? Is he heading there in terms of taking over the league? Everybody kind of overlooks him. He's playing in a spot nobody really thinks can do it. shooting
1: guards? From right. Small D1 schools? Just
2: right. throwing it out there. Okay. Who, oh, by the way, dynamite NCAA tournaments. Yeah. Dynamite. Yes, sir. Just throwing them out there. Let's take a break. Be on time for Michael Malone. Head coach of the Denver Nuggets. 844-204-RICH, number to for you to call right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, we will be back. We will be back with uh, Michael Malone when we come back right here on the program. Again, eight four four two zero four rich Michael Malone when we come back. Nuggets head coach in his seventh year with the team, Michael Malone, here on the Rich Eisen Show. So what's the scoop with Michael Porter Jr.? Is there a scoop with him to get him back?
4: Yeah, no, I mean, very very similar to Jamal, obviously. The big difference is Jamal's been out for close to a year, and Michael's been out for three months. Uh, you know, he had his, his third back surgery, and Michael, like Jamal, has, uh, has really attacked his rehab. Um, getting healthy is, is number one priority and then he is also you know, participating in parts of practices, parts of shoot-arounds, and it's all the things where there's really no contact and we're not doing anything live. They're not cleared for that just yet, but just the slow integration of both Jamal and Michael, having them back around the team, having them back on the practice court at times, it's been uplifting for them as well as all their teammates, uh, and I think we all realize that as well as we played this year, winning six in a row, being eight and one in our last nine, um, we all know that when we have a healthy Michael Porter Jr. and a healthy Jamal Murray, we're a team that we feel has a great chance to win a championship.
2: So, do you think you're lying in the weeds? Is that what you think, maybe? Here,
4: <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I just the group that has played all year has done a great job of, mm-hmm. of of not using the readily available excuse of well, we're injured this year doesn't matter. That hasn't been our mindset. And when guys get back from injury, we'll welcome them back and integrate them back into the rotation. Um, but it, yeah, if they're able to come back and play rich, uh, you know, we're, we're a better team. There's no doubt about that.
2: Well, I mean, you are definitely, uh, you know, drawing up some great plays uh, like the, the have have Jokic throw it behind his head. Uh, no look to someone in the corner wide open. Great way to draw that <laughs> one. Up, uh, Coach Malone. I, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I saw that on my phone. and I'm like, holy crap. I, I seriously scrubbed it back and watched it 10 times in a row. What is that like from from your perspective? When you see that,
4: well, uh, obviously, you know, anytime you have the opportunity to coach uh, a great player uh, as a head coach in this league, uh, you know, it, it's a privilege, it's an honor. And, and Nicola, as a reigning MVP, uh, is making a strong case to be a repeat MVP. Um, and his ability—I think the one thing I enjoy most about coaching Nicola, um, his success, his money, his fame—he has not changed. You know, he, he's really a selfless leader. Is embarrassed by the attention. Um, and he, he, it, that's one thing I love about him, that never changing, staying true to himself and being just a humble, selfless guy. There's not many superstars like that. And the second thing, as you mentioned, what you love about him is uh, his ability to make everyone around him better, which for me, son of a coach, I mm-hmm. think is the true definition of greatness. How do you make everyone around you better and lift their games up and Nicola does that. Hey, no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter. It doesn't matter. We have Nicola, and he's going to bring the best out of Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, and everyone else down the line. Um, so his unselfish, his IQ uh, is, is just a pleasure, and uh, obviously he makes me a hell of a lot better of a coach.
2: That's right. I ascribed you to drawing up that play. Um, so <laughs> what, does he do that in practice? I mean, was that the first time you've seen that?
4: No, I'd say, you, you know, Joker and I came in together. We've got seven years together. Hmm. And, you know, I saw very early in his rookie season that this guy's skill level was off the charts. His ability to rebound and push the break, make no-look passes, um, it's just something that I I almost challenged myself never to take him for granted because he is um, seven years. You've seen him do it so many times, but he still amazes you with the passing, the playmaking, the ability to hit clutch shots, uh, the, the the ability to grow as a leader and to learn to be more vocal and to be more comfortable being more vocal. He, he's like, he hasn't reached his ceiling. He's still getting better in other areas, and that's the thing I love about him. He's not satisfied.
2: Michael Malone, Denver Nuggets head coach here on the Rich Eisen Show. So I, you mentioned you're the son of a coach. Brendan is your dad. I'm 52. I think you're 50, right? You're just a couple of years younger than me. And I remember um, as a New York kid being on the campus of the University of Michigan as the bad boys were beginning to blossom. Man, did I hate their guts. I absolutely hated their <laughs> guts, to be very honest with you. you. Were you like a teenager with a front row seat during practice watching those guys? Oh, man. I, you? you?
4: know, I've, I've been really privileged, Rich. You know, obviously my father started out as a high school coach in New York City, mm. power memorial, and worked his way into the NBA. And, uh, you know, to be... I'm in high school. I used to go to the New York Knicks games with Pat Ewing and, and being able to shoot around Madison Square Garden mm. as a young kid from Queens and Long Island was like a dream. And then, go, then he goes to Detroit and the Bad Boys and the back-to-back championships. And being around Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Vinnie Johnson, John Sally, I was, uh, I was really fortunate to grow, grow up as the son of a coach. And uh, I just have great memories of driving around when he was an assistant coach at Syracuse and going to games in New York City and recruiting, helping recruit Pearl Washington and, and and other guys that he would be watching and recruiting. So I have so many stories and just really blessed to have that experience as the son of a coach. And I believe that's really helped me become the coach that I am today. Was that
2: Bernard King too? Was King Bernard around at that time when you no, were on no, the uh, No, no, that, that was
4: after. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Ernie and Bernie down in Tennessee. Ernie okay. Grunfeld and Bernard that's King. That's right. But, uh, I remember. I mean. Billy Donovan, Mark Jackson, Kenny Smith, uh, Dwayne Washington. There's so many players in the New York City area that um, I just would be walking around with my father watching these games. And uh, I-, I loved it.
2: And so uh, what presence did Chuck Daly have in your life?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Chuck Daly, one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. And, and just whether it was Hughie Brown with the Knicks, whether it was a Chuck Daly – um, whether it's, you know, Jeff and Stan Van Gundy, all guys that my father worked for. Yeah. Um, again, it wasn't just the players, but as an aspiring coach myself, you know, just to be a fly on the wall, uh, to to learn, to pick things up, to see how they coach. And every coach is different. You know, you have a, a guy in Chuck Daly who um, looked the part and <laughs> one of the best-dressed coaches in NBA history. And then you had other guys, you know, who, who just, you know, grind it out, coaches who were, you know, their their work ethic is legendary. So uh, I I think you can learn and take something from everybody along the way. And that's what I've tried to do from my father, but even when I was an assistant for many years in the league, learning from the guys that i worked for.
2: What about, do you got a good story from, I guess, let's just throw out the Pistons days? Did Mahorn come up to you? Did Lambeer haze you? Did anything happen? Uh, Rodman, anything from the bad boy Mm -hmm. days that you might remember? No, I just
4: remember like – being around those teams, and this is like, you know, the bad boys and them in, in Chicago just having battles, yeah. and obviously Chicago had to get through Detroit for their ascension and to go on their historic run that they wind up going on with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson. Uh, but I just remember being at practices and, and listening to Joe Dumars like talking about you know how hard it was to guard a guy like Michael Jordan, um, and you know, he would come down on the break and he'd literally put the ball on his hand and. He could just go wherever he wanted. And, and just, I mean, I never took it for granted. You know, here I am, a, a young kid being around NBA players, NBA champions, and, and, and just, they always treated me well. And uh, it was always a pleasure to be around those teams, whether it was a Knicks team, a Piston team, my father's first head coaching job in Toronto, whatever it was. Uh, I, I always took a lot of joy in terms of. Seeing my father and being around those
2: teams, I, I got to be honest. I, I have just again such an affinity for those times, and and it's just like any generation, right? My generation's better than the current generation, but it, is the game better now, or, or or because you know, obviously, it's a more three-point centric game. Nobody's put on their ass as much as those back in the day. I mean, what do you, what's your philosophy on all that? Being a head coach in this current day and age and seeing what used to be in this league.
4: Well, yeah, it's funny. I, I speak to my father about it all the time, uh, and he's obviously old school, he's in the league for a long time, and like he has a hard time watching the NBA game today because of as you mentioned, you know, all the three-point shooting and and let's be honest, the, the game has changed. As you mentioned it, guys getting put on their ass, you talked about the bad boys I go back to the New York Knicks with Charles Oakley and Patrick Ewing and those guys. The game has changed, and the NBA wanted the game to change. They wanted to clean it up. They wanted to make it more fan-friendly. And that is always what that means is they've tried to make it more scoring, because scoring makes more fans watch and more entertainment, and that's what it's all about. But I like the, the old days. I like the physicality, no layups, not dirty, not trying to hurt anybody, but you know, making people feel you out there, and you know, I, I think there's some teams that play like that now. But the game has definitely changed, and the reality is, Rich, the game is always changing. It's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving, and you have to be willing to change with it.
2: Michael Malone, a few more minutes left with the Denver Nuggets head coach here on the Rich Eisen show. Okay, so you said you you've you've you put your old school credentials on the table. You called Chuck Daly one of the best dressed head coaches of all time. I have to be honest with you. I'm going to be straight up. I'm very disappointed that NBA head coaches are dressing like they're going to the gym for practice. <laughs> and, you know, again, it's not my dry cleaning bill, you know, and it's not my, it's not my, you know, uh, it's not my bill to go, you know, uh, shopping. But what what's the deal? What, what happened? What happened? Yeah, to you the know, suits, it's, uh, it's
4: funny. I'm going to go on record saying I hope it never goes back. I know there are people like yourself. A lot of people say NBA head coaches look like they're middle school gym teachers right now. But I love it. I love it. When you go on a 14-day, seven-game road trip, you're not packing seven suits, shirts, ties, dress shoes, belts, coordinating all that. You're just packing uh, a pair of uh, really comfortable pants, shoes, and a... Quarter zip pull over from Mikey, and, uh, but and that's it. It all happened when we went to the bubble, right? And there were no fan, and there were no fans. And the idea was, well, if there's no fans here. What the hell are we dressing up for? And it' uh, <laughs> the the NBA coaches have overwhelmingly voted to continue to ha- have this as long as the NBA is willing to allow it, because I think, uh, you know, you're out there, you're coaching, you're sweating, and it's a lot easier to do your job comfortably as opposed to looking like a Pat Riley or Chuck Daly dressed to the nines.
2: So is there anybody out there that's pushing for the suit to come back? Anybody?
4: Oh, there's definitely some coaches that are kind of, you know, whether it's old school mentality, that they they like the fact that we're dressing up and we're not a gym teacher and you're putting your suit and tie on, you're looking the part. Uh, But let's be honest. Yeah. You had a Chuck Daly, but then you also had guys like Don Nelson wearing the fish tie <laughs> in Milwaukee. So even back in the day, you had some coaches that said, sure. you know, I'm going to dress and I'm going to take pride in my dressing. Right. And you had other coaches saying, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll put a jacket and a tie on, but I'm not worried about how it looks. I'm worried about coaching my team. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of coaches now feel is, hey, I'm not a banker. I'm not a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a coach. Let me go out there and be comfortable. I, hey, Major League Baseball—they wear the uniform. I know, maybe right? The, I know. Maybe we should wear the uniform.
2: Yeah, just like, yeah, like like a Jackie Moon movie or something. You just show up in your <laughs> yeah, shorts, you topic. know. But we're, you know, we. So uh, again, I'm fascinated by this, and and then uh, then I'll let you go. I promise you. So because uh, if a head coach just showed up, okay, let's just say um, later on this year, Quinn Snyder just shows up in a full suit and tie because we think he's the guy that really is desperate to get the suits back on, to be very honest with you, Coach. Like, would would this be a problem if another head coach just showed up in a suit and didn't tell anybody and just started wearing it? Would that be an issue, do you think? Uh, It would
4: not be an issue for me. And I actually have a story about that. I think it was the end of last season. Uh And we were getting ready to play Portland. uh, And Terry Stotts, who was their head coach at the time, Mm -hmm. Uh, have a great relationship, Terry. Great coach. He should be back in the NBA. But he sends me a text and says, "Hey, listen. You know, for our game, we're going to wear uh, suits, uh, suits and ties. Are you okay with that?" And I said, "Hey, Terry, knock yourself out." I said, "I'm not wearing a suit and tie, but if you guys want to wear a suit and tie and impress your home fans, have at it." Okay. and they did. They they all came out with suits and ties on, and uh, they looked great. But. No, we, we were over there looking uh, looking really comfortable.
2: <laughs> so he gave you the professional courtesy at least, right? Like you didn't he didn't want to did, show you up. Did. okay?
4: He didn't didn't surprise us. He gave us a courtesy. I actually think he was hoping that we'd wear it, but yeah. we had already left Denver on a three game road trip yeah. and I said we didn't pack any suits and <laughs> even if we had time, we wouldn't pack suits anyway.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am fascinated by this. All right, so last one for you. what would it mean to to bring a uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy to Denver? What would that mean? You. Oh, that
4: would mean uh, that would mean so much. You know, you, you talked about Stan Kroenke earlier in the show, and mm-hmm. I've gotten to know Stan and Josh. Terrific ownership group. Very fortunate that they continue to believe in me. But they've won a Stanley Cup, they've won an NFL, and they love basketball. So, I, first and foremost, I mean this. Uh, it would mean a lot to the Kroenke family because that's one thing that they that they're still uh, trying to attain. It would mean a, a lot for our staff, our players, the organization. But more importantly, it would mean a lot to this city. Uh, I've been here seven years. Our fans uh, have been phenomenal, a big part of our ascension in the Western Conference. So to bring home a world championship to this city, to our fans, uh, w- would be an honor and a privilege. And, a, and I think we'd all be very, very proud to be a, a part of that. So that is what drives us every day, Rich. That is our goal. Um, and, and hopefully in the next few years, we're able to make that goal a reality.
2: Well, thanks for the time, Coach. This has been a blast. I hope uh, it's the first of uh, many other times that you come on. Send my best to your dad. Uh, I'm again a diehard Nick fan from those days. Anthony Mason's another name that that I loved in terms of putting people on their ass. We had Oakley here the other day. He's selling a book and those are my days, man. Those were the, my times, and I, I love them. So thank you, Dad. Although the bad boy stuff really pissed me off. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I'll,
4: I'll let him know that the Nick days were okay, not so much for Detroit. And, uh, Rich, it was really good to be on with thank you. you. I look forward to doing it again. And anytime I can talk to somebody from Staten Island, it's a good Yes,
2: day. that's right. I'm from the Rock. That's Shall where be? I'm from. That's where I'm from. Thanks for the call. Really appreciate oh, it, I Coach. Think, yeah. Thank you. Gotta, there you go. That's uh, Michael Malone, Coach Michael Malone of the Denver Nuggets. What a pleasure.
0: That was great.
1: <laughs> what a pleasure.
0: Never going back to the suits. <laughs> I
1: told you. I tried to tell you guys that. <laughs>
0: Never going back. I told back. you guys
1: that for two years. He was the
2: one. <laughs> he also
0: didn't deny. <laughs>
1: Quinn Snyder's the guy. Quinn Snyder's the
0: guy. Steve Nash. Quinn Snyder. Do you think Nash
1: wants to put on a suit? Bolstra for sure. Nobody wants to wear a tie when you
0: have Do some you know comfortable
1: sweats on. Who
2: absolutely doesn't want to put the suits back on? Thibodeau. Oh, no, no doubt. By the way, like, talking he was, about, like, he seems like one of those guys who would show up in together? boxers if yeah, he could. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Just piecing together sports a sports jacket off, <laughs> random pants.
1: <laughs> but
2: wouldn't it Ties be funny if he was store. the
0: one
1: that did want the suit? Like No way. No yeah, way he I can't wants to suit. really
0: not. Tibbs does not want the
1: suit. Who wants the suit, Tibbs? Have we made a list of who wants the suit? Does,
0: and who Coo- doesn't does want Kurt to
2: suit? want a suit? Kurt doesn't want a suit,
0: right? No. Nah. It's the guys who want to show off the $4,000 suit.
2: Yes. Quinn Snyder's is that guy. I peg him. Let's
0: Quinn see. for sure. Yeah. like I said, Spolstra. Nas- Steve- Nashing Spolstra does. Steve Na- he's in Miami. He's well, I know team. he's. A, I know Pat he's a like Pat guy. Rally uh, do box. you think Pat ever calls him up? Come on, just put
1: the suit on. Did I, you I, see Armani? I don't put think put Nash wants the suit, Chris. You ever see Nash you as don't. a po- former players? Seem like with Kerr, they seem like to, to be in the comfort. I you never don't. saw Steve Nash wear a suit. Does Doc want a suit? Does Doc want a suit? Doc doesn't want a suit. Doc doesn't want a suit.
0: Doc wants to be on the golf course. Yeah, he golf <laughs> yeah. attire. He wants his yeah. his Bel Air zip up. Yeah. what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants.
2: Fantastic, but they're not going back. They will never. They'll never go back. They'll never. You're no, It's up it. to the coaches. But I love it. Terry Stotts gave him a little heads up. He hey, like, hey, we want to hey, wear we wanna our we wanna suits. Wear you want to? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, no. Go ahead. We are not going shopping Absolutely. in Portland. In the mall in Portland, right? The big and tall store <laughs> in Portland? Hey, we need, we need four suits for tonight because we
1: didn't pack them. <laughs> I mean, Brockman's wearing shorts Why today. am I so fascinated so by you I know, know I'm wearing Brockman's shorts. Brockman's wearing shorts. So you know you he, he doesn't agree. want a suit. Yeah. The rich
2: eyes and shirt. We, we go deeper. We go deeper. We go deeper into the story beyond uh-huh. the headlines. For instance, Derek Jeter steps down. As the CEO of the Miami Marlins, everybody's talking about it. Jeets is gone. What's going on there? It's even about the larger picture of these negotiations going on between the players association and the owners about spending and all of this. And Jeter wanted to spend more. And he told he was told he wasn't going to spend more. And that's the whole story people talk about. We talk about his parking space being (laughs) combed off. That's how we handle the story cone gate and this is bigger <laughs> than what people are not making it out to be they are not making it out yes it.
0: it's <laughs> bigger advertising show right now it's it's NBA head coaches it's go bigger. back to wearing suits yes. on the sidelines it's, it's yeah, bigger put shirt on. Please you vote. know please vote <laughs> that's the way we talk about things here
1: yeah, we you know when most people
2: stop we go I could ask him about challenging and what rule he wants oh, to have yeah, changed
1: and yeah, everywhere, everyone everyone asks him that stuff Rich.
2: Where's you know? the suit and tie man.
0: Jokic's brothers. Oh, no, I was, was, almost yeah. said that.
2: Well, I wish we well, Of course. Are of they course Jokic is going to be just <laughs> rolling everything off his back and nothing bothers him and he's a total, you know, pleasure to be around when you got your brothers enforcing the rest of it. You could just be that
1: guy. You're the good cop. Jokic's brothers security, you know.
2: All right, we'll take a break. <laughs> eight four four two oh four rich number to dial. Great day in history. Superb day in history. Love this day in history. Can't get enough of this day in history. And Brockman shaking his head because he feels the opposite way. <laughs> That's next.
1: Callaway
2: Rogue, every golf equipment company says they want to be longer off the tee, but Callaway's new Rogue ST driver is the only one built to completely bomb it. It's been speed-tuned, that's the ST, to Callaway's fastest, most stable driver ever. Every Rogue ST is engineered with a new tungsten speed cartridge, which gives you more speed on off-center hits, provides more forgiveness thanks to high MOI. But that's just the beginning because Callaway's engineered a Rogue ST for every player. I use the max, incredible combination of distance and forgiveness. It's for most golfers. There's the Max D, their dedicated draw model for players who need more shot shape correction. If you want something more low spin, the Max LS is the one for you. But for the true players out there, the Rogue ST Triple Diamond LS is the compact low spin head that the tour players love. I kind of feel like every time I talk about that, that's Callaway saying, that's not for you, Rich. (laughs) Callaway has thought through every aspect of speed. So all you have to do is go rogue. Find your Rogue ST driver at callawaygolf.com slash go rogue. (laughs) <laughs> All right, baby. Go rogue. Let's get to this day in history. Good. Hit it. Hit it, please. Hit it. This day in history. Christopher
0: Brockman, what do you have over there? All right. So on this date, March 1st, 2000. March 1st, 2000. The Boston Celtics, in the middle of a terrible season, lost a home game to the Toronto Raptors, despite some good efforts from Antoine Walker and... Paul Pierce, and their head and, coach, Larry, and Larry Bird, too, right? Larry Bird? And Robert Parrish, right? And Kevin McHale, right. and Dennis Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry. They weren't there, right? Their head coach was a guy named Rick Pitino. <laughs> Perhaps you've heard heard of him. He was terrible as Celtics head coach. Just stop editorializing <laughs> he was terrible. and get to the news. He was making all kinds of moves, <laughs> unhappy with the roster, <laughs> looking for improvements. And the uh, normally cordial Boston media yes. was letting oh, them have cordial.
3: it. <laughs> And he said this after the game. You're the people being negative some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. What we are is young, exciting, hardworking, and going to improve. People don't realize that. And as soon as they realize that those three guys are not coming through that door, the better this town will be for all of us. <laughs> because they're young guys in that room playing their asses off. I wish we had 90 million under the salary cap. I wish we could buy the world. We can't. The only thing we can do is work hard. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Chishram booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. The only thing going to turn this around is being upbeat and positive like we are in that locker room. So if you think that we're not coming to play against the Toronto Raptors, you're mistaken. Only we're not coming to play with Baird and uh, McHale and Parrish or Kuzi or Russell. We're coming with young guys who want to get better want to play the game. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to uh, succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.
0: Man, he was twenty-two years ago. He is so upbeat and so positive, and such a leader of this team yes. that less than ten months later, after a twelve and twenty-two start, you know what he did? He quit because he's You're a like, loser. <laughs> Very F, F that guy. That
2: was, that was wow. <laughs> wow. This Holy day in crap. history had a lot of editorializing <laughs> to it. Man, I. Or, or, may I give the counter Please approach? do. Please do. Or, or, showing a mirror to the fan base that's mm-hmm. not happy unless they're terribly unhappy. Terribly unhappy.
0: Well, he made like, us the unhappy. The negativity in that town does suck. You, when know? you stink, you deserve to be told you stink. And he stunk. <laughs> This day in
2: history, everybody. Yeah. Good riddance. <laughs> He's not wrong. Bird and McHale and Parrish are not coming through the door. And when they, if they did, they were old and great. He had a front row seat in Providence, man, out there in Rhode Island, which I wow. guess is on the outskirts of New England, right? So we're right there in New
0: England. Right. He was so dedicated to rebuilding the seas that he quit after 34 games. He was, he was games so terrific year.
2: as Providence head coach. Do you know who his star player was at Billy,
0: Providence? believe
2: not. The current head coach of the surging Chicago Bulls, Billy Donovan, mm-hmm. back in the day, taking a pound of flesh out of some Big East Titans yeah. back in the day. Yep. You know, that's when Ewing and Mullen roamed the Big East earth. Wilder Berry. Oh, yeah. Ronnie Cyclic. And the Celtics wanted a piece of that. So they hired a guy who let everybody know. <laughs> You suck. <laughs> and then you turned back and you said, no, you, you suck. Suck. <laughs> suck. Which is the most New England battle of all time. We suck, you suck. So stop sucking.
0: Stop telling us that we suck. And
2: you are the one who should stop the sucking.
0: Hey, Sucker. I, hey, I got a great idea. Uh, let's, sucking. let's trade Chauncey Billups after 50 games. But what, there's two things. Can
2: you put up a, a still shot, Hoskins, of that? There's two things that still have not changed from that day 22 years ago. Exactly, you know where I'm going? I know, I know exactly, two things, I know exactly two what you're going I know what the one New thing Englanders, is for sure. New Englanders exactly. are not happy unless they're unhappy. Uh-huh. That hasn't changed. 22 years hasn't changed. You got a shot of it? <laughs> the other thing is, New Englanders love their Dunkin' Donuts. They love Dunkin' Donuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love it. I'm Can't gonna, get <laughs> enough of their Dunkin'. Haven't changed the logo yeah. <laughs> of, of, of the Celtics or Dunkin'. They love it.
1: See, I thought you were going to say something about his hair.
2: <laughs> no, being... <laughs> they love their Dunkin' Donuts. We suck, you suck, so no, stop sucking. No, you suck your mouth. <laughs> Albert Breer coming up in an hour or two.